mindfulness mode. I find that's helped me in achieving all my goals as an author. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with an author. And you know how much I enjoy interviewing authors. And she's the author of children's books, and she's the author of a 13-book chapter book series for children 8 to 12. I'm so looking forward to talking to her about that and about some of the other children's book writing that she's done. I'm here today with Tanya Duncan Ellis. Tanya, are you in mindfulness mode today? Yes, I am, Bruce. I'm, I'm in mindfulness mode and happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here as well. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Tanya? Mindfulness to me means being intentional about my actions, thinking about uh, what my goals and things I want to accomplish in life are as I make decisions on things that I do in my life. Right. I want to talk to you, dig right in about your writing. When did you start writing? Did you write as a child? Did you write as a young adult? When did you get into this? I started writing as a child. I've loved to read for as long as I remember being able to sound out letters and went to the library once a week. My mother took me every week and I'd come home with a bag full of books. So I always loved words, writing. And when I was 10 years old, I won a writing competition at my school. And so that kind of set me on the path as, uh, to wanting to become a writer as an adult. And I worked as a journalist for a while. Um, actually, when I was 14, an article I wrote was published in my hometown newspaper, and I got my first check, $25 for writing. So um, I've written really since I was a little girl. That's really, that must have been so exciting to get that check. What, what did it that was. feel like, Tanya? It felt great. I was actually kind of embarrassed because they put my picture in the paper, and at that age, I was like, Oh, well, when, when, yeah, when I was 14, when I got that check, that was that kind of age where I didn't want people to pay any attention to me. I was happy to get the money, yeah. but I was kind of bashful about it because my teachers were kind of like, look at her, look at her. So I kind of felt a little shy about it. Yeah, I can understand that. And so then w tell me about your first book that you wrote that w went out to people that was available to others. The first book I wrote was Sophie Washington, Queen of the Bee, and I wrote that in 2013. Um, I self-published the books and I showed them to my children's, or my, my kid, I have three children, I'm a mom mm -hmm. of three, their librarian. And she said, well, you have something here. I think people will really relate to this. My series is about an 11 year old girl from Houston and her diverse group of friends. Mm -hmm. And in each book, they solve different problems like learning how to fit in with friends, learning how to manage their schoolwork, and they deal with common tween issues. Um, standing up to bullies, they um, manage playing video games, different things like that. So after the book came out, and I've worked as a journalist for years as well, so I had experience with publishing and writing for public audiences. But after the book came out and I had school visits, I started participating in different events in my community, and librarians and teachers in the community embraced the book children started dressing up as the characters, sending me letters and things. So it kind of took off from there. And now I've sold over 150,000 books. 
Wow. Worldwide, Scholastic bought rights to one of my books, Sophie Washington Code One, which is focused on them being in a computer coding group. So they put it in a special STEM program. And I have a picture book scheduled to come out through HarperCollins, Big Five Publisher, next year. So I'm excited about that as well. So I've just kind of grown through the years with my writing. Wow. Harper Collins, that sounds really exciting to have that book yes, published. Yes, I'm so happy. This is my dream come true. So I'm very happy about that. So if they ask you to uh, write some other books, how would that feel? That would feel great. I would, <laughs> I would love to do that. I actually, um, my book, <clears throat> I'm going, I continue to write. So I, I have a literary agent now and I'm on submission with some upcoming books. And what that means is your agent presents your manuscripts to the big five publishing companies. So I'm actually shopping some other projects with them. I see. So are the Sophie Washington books finished or will you continue to write those books? Um, I think I'm finished with them because, and I'm, I'm sad to say that to my readers because a lot of them wait for the next book, yeah. but because I've been so busy writing some other projects, I just don't have the time anymore to continue. In the series, we have 13 books and all these different adventures, so it has a lot of different storylines. Right. And so can you share any of your new projects and what you're doing now? Well, I'm, um, I have another middle grade, which is like a, a little bit larger than a chapter book um, about a little boy in Houston out. I can't say too much about it. Okay. That is out on submission. So we're trying to get it sold. And then I'm working on some other picture book projects. And I love history and learning about uh, my just my book uh, that's coming out in June 2024 is called They Built Me for Freedom. And it is about the history of Emancipation Park, which is the, the site of the first Juneteenth celebration. So it's located in Houston where I live. And it's the place where the formerly enslaved people had their first celebration after they found out they were freed in um, Juneteenth, after Juneteenth. And so I love, I don't know what it is, but I love going to different historical places and learning about them. So I'm working on some other um, manuscripts on different little known history facts. Mm -hmm. And then I give them to my agent and then we're going to be shopping them for sale with some of the bigger publishing companies. Very interesting. Tell me about the mindfulness of writing. Is this something that you're able to just slip into or do you have to do preparation to get into the right mode for writing? Um, well, I love to write and it's something that I do on a daily basis. I journal each day. And when, when it comes to mindfulness, I've read somewhere that, that journaling is kind of like praying on paper. And I'm a Christian person. I believe in prayer and a higher power that I speak to my higher power, but I journal each day and I feel like that's a way that I can be mindful of my goals and aspirations, things I want done in my family as well, and just setting my daily intentions. So that's kind of a, a daily practice that I have that helps me with my writing because I talk about uh, my goals for my career. Another thing that I do is... Um, there's a book called The Artist Way that mm -hmm. 
recommends that you take field trips as a creative to help because it's called the creative well, because when I write, I use a lot of images of different things I've seen and experiences I've had. And so I take, I try to do, I don't, I haven't been going every week, but I do try to go to different places, which is how I actually got the idea for my Emancipation Park book, because I was just fascinated with the history of this place. This was right before Juneteenth became a national holiday. And I said, you know, I really want to go to this park because I try to go to different historical places in my area or places of interest to me Mm -hmm. to keep my creativity going. And I find that helps me as an author. Even when I'm writing my longer books, they focus the main characters. They're all set in Houston except for one. And I'll go to different places. Like I live 40 minutes from Galveston Bay which is a beach. I'll go to just different places and it kind of keeps my creativity going. Oh, that's interesting. What have your children taught you about mindfulness? They have taught me just about um, patience. And there's a book I love called um, Mindset by Carol Dweck. Yeah. And I talk with them about growth mindset and fixed mindset. And the growth mindset is saying that you can achieve anything that that we're not set. A fixed mindset is saying, I'm the way I am, you know, there's no change. If I didn't, if I failed at something, there's nothing I can do, I'm just not good at it. But having a growth mindset is kind of saying, I can work at things and achieve my goals. So I kind of work with that with them or to kind of encourage them to do that. And also to be intentional on the things that they're doing, to think about, um, what they want to achieve and kind of reflect on those things. And even when you talk about with young people being mindful of what you're experiencing with the distractions of social media and different things like that, a lot of times they can be out of the moment and not really looking at big picture things and kind of focusing on even with these selfies and different things like that, I encourage them to be mindful of their experiences and where they are in just day-to-day moments so that we can be happy about that or just appreciate that every day. Sure. Tanya, I'm really interested in your actual process of writing. Do you map out like chapters ahead of time and where you're going in the book? Or do you just kind of start and see where this book goes? How does this work? Well, they have, there's a term where they call authors either a plotter or a pantser. And pantser, I know with British English, of course, pants are underclothes. So they're, but in the, because, um, but pantsing is kind of going with the seat of your pants and kind of sitting down without a formal structure. And I'm more of a pantser in that, I don't have detailed plots out with my writing, but I usually try to uh, at least have an idea of what my ending will be so that I can write toward that because it becomes more difficult if I just sit down and start writing something with no end in mind, Mm -hmm. especially with my larger chapter. Even with a picture book, that makes them challenging because picture books are from 500 to a thousand words, Mm -hmm. but you still have kind of a story arc and structure. So all of them, I kind of have an idea of where I want to end up when I'm writing. 
And with my Sophie Washington books, they all have about 20 chapters and the books are about 100 pages. So, and I know each chapter is about a thousand words or 1500 words. So I do have a loose structure when I sit down to write as to what, how long this book's gonna be, how long the chapters are gonna be. And I might outline what I want the theme to be in each chapter as I'm going forward. But there's some writers who have really detailed plots mapped out. I don't really do that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So what was the, the biggest challenge you've ever had as a writer? Um, I think for me as a writer, the biggest challenge is just keeping patience and keeping a positive attitude because there's a lot of rejection in this business. Yes. Um, a lot of time because for me, I've been fortunate that I was able to get an agent within a couple of months when I queried for an, a literary agent. Sometimes that takes years for people. And then even when you get an agent, the book that she took me on as a client it ended up being rejected like 20 or 30 times and never saw the light of day. Wow. You know, and I had spent, that book was about 200 pages long, you know, so I spent a lot of time in research. And so it's, it's, and I have other author friends. One, she had like 10 manuscripts rejected, but now she's got a Disney movie coming out. So you've wow. really got to have that strong mental fortitude as an author, believing in yourself and your work and, you know, keep having that, just keep moving forward, basically, and trying yeah. to keep a positive attitude. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know a lot of uh, successful people in your position have haters out there who for whatever reason get online or get on social media or whatever and they they air their views try to make a try to get a reaction have you had that experience and how do you deal with that um i've had pretty much online i'm mostly on instagram at tanya ellis books Mm -hmm. and the book community that i am part of seems very positive great i do occasionally have trolls or people who put things usually i just delete the comments and move on i don't really engage a lot with that um or i'll just say okay thanks for your opinion and move on so i kind of and you really have to be fixed skin to become an author. I've had one-star reviews. I've had um, ups and downs. And as a self-publisher, I'm an independent business owner and entrepreneur. So there are many challenges. There's been times I had one book that had a bad review and I remember being up all night like, oh no, oh no. But you you just have to continue and move forward. So I really kind of don't pay attention if it is valid you know if there's a criticism and there's a room for improvement i'll consider that Mm -hmm. but i just ignore those and say that's their opinion and move on have you ever done audio recording of any of your books so that they could be on audible yes actually the first three books in series queen of the bee the snitch and things you didn't know about sophie are on audible there was um a company that paid for the right, the audio rights through my agent. So she negotiated that for me. So those books are available on Audible. Oh, and did you record them yourself? No, there's another narrator that they chose to do those. It's actually, well, some of those are free, but some for the books were quite expensive to have um, professionally um, 
recorded. So I was fortunate that company took it over because I considered that, but I'm not the narrator. It's a, it's an actress that's the narrator. Oh, I see. Would you ever want to be the narrator of any of your books? Not real. Well, the books are over 100 pages long. So I honestly, I don't It's a big know. job, isn't it? Yeah, that would be a lot. From what I've heard, it's very time consuming. So I don't know that I'd want to do that. Well, you love writing so much, you'd probably rather just go ahead and write the next book. Am I right? Right. And that's actually why I moved toward traditional publishing, because I want to write. I don't want to do a lot of these business tasks and aspects of, of running the business. So I want to do more writing and spend more time. And as my series grew, the administrative task grew as well with managing all these books and different updates with Amazon and different things like that. Right. Do you have any other mindset tips for someone who wants to be a successful author? I think just keep in mind that it's a marathon and not a sprint. And that also you need to look at um, set your own intentions and, and goals and aspirations, because looking on social media, you can become very discouraged and frustrated seeing all these book deal announcements and things like that. But you need to look back. I look back at where I started from and where I'm going, you know, where I am when I feel discouraged and keeping journals and things like that and being able to look at your progress is very helpful. Also, I suggest getting involved in author communities with other creatives who can understand what you're doing and help give you that support is very helpful. Right. Have you ever wanted to write a book for adults? Actually, I um, not really. I think I've just had that heart for children. I always I wrote as a journalist for years. Over ten years, I wrote for feature articles, interviewing adults, and then I got into writing children's books when I would read with my children, mm-hmm. and I, we were rereading some of my childhood favorites. But I love being a part of this. Uh, of their childhood, just like some of the books that I read as a little girl just stay in my heart to this day. And I'm I'm grateful to be able to help or pay, play that role in the lives of my little readers. So this somehow, and I have a friend who writes romance uh, novels who lives here in Houston, and she asked me, well, why do you write for kids? And I don't, it's very strange, but it's just something that I just love. And I love children's books to read them myself as well. Yeah, that's cool. Have you ever experienced writer's block? Um, I have had times when I've um, had not known what to write or whatever. What I do, I, I walk. I have bad allergies for the past couple of weeks. I haven't been walking because I had an allergy attack out walking a couple of days ago. But um, long walks and just being out in, in nature helps me um come, you know, overcome creative blocks, I find. I, so I, I'll do that a lot, and that helps me come up with new ideas. I love to read, so reading other books um, and going to different places, like I said, different historical places, museums, and or new experiences, like me and my daughter went picking strawberries or just doing different things like that helps me get new ideas. I know you live in Texas. If you could live in any other country in the world, where would you like to live? Hmm. I think um, I'm happy to live in the United States because my family's here, but I um, studied French in college and I would love to live in Paris for a while or live in France for a while. I lived 
in France for a year and a half when I was in college. So that would be fun. I don't know if I'd want to live there forever, but if I could live abroad for a while, I would like to live there, I think. Well, and the fact that your family is is in your own country, that's really important, I'm sure. What does family mean to you? Family is love and support. And um, I, like I said, I'm a mom of three and my kids are just the biggest blessings for me. Being able to help guide them and, and get them to their start has been an amazing experience. And even with my mom, I'm so fortunate to have her She's still here. Actually, she has a birthday this weekend, so I'm going to visit her. She doesn't live in Texas, so I'm so happy to see her and my other relatives. And I think the pandemic made that even more clear to me, the importance of family and their support. Because my uh, family of origin does not live in Texas. Or I grew up, I was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. So, you know, I was like, oh, I can't see my family and some of my aunts that were still here. So... That's just so important. And I think the pandemic brought that home to me even more when I couldn't see them. Right. I am seeing an illustration behind you that is uh, from your book. Was it difficult finding an illustrator that fit with your style? Uh, Yes, it, it took a little while because when I started, I had a local artist do a cover for me. And it wasn't, and she was used to doing paintings and she wasn't a book illustrator. So it didn't quite have the look I wanted. And then I had another teacher who was an art teacher. So this illustrator, actually, I've never spoken to him in person. He lives in India and he illustrated some comic books for a friend of mine. And I said, well, let me give this a try. And once I got him to illustrate my books, that was in like 2017, Mm -hmm. 2018. That's when my books really took off when I got him. So I'm grateful that I found him. Oh, that's awesome. And do you ever see some illustrations that he does and you ask him to change them up or have give them a different tone or something like that? Yes. When I do my books, I um, send him a list of what I want and I'll put clip art. And then if he, he sends back sketches, initial sketches for my approval. And then some of them, like one, I had wild boar and he put little pigs, but he's in India. He doesn't know what they look like. So, I, right. And then I'll send clip art to give him more specifics. Now, with my picture books through traditional publishing, I have no control over the illustrations. So they had and they gave me a list of some potential illustrators they approached and let me kind of choose. And then the illustrator does all her work. Mm-hmm. But they did show me some sketches, which were amazing. And then we did go over them they wanted my just to make sure I was in agreement but then she kind of had her oh and I did also send her pictures from the park because she doesn't live here so I went to the park and I sent pictures and historical pictures from Juneteenth for her to use as well oh that's interesting (laughs) it's interesting any other words of advice you have for anyone who is an aspiring writer and would like to become a children's book author If you'd want to become a children's book author, one thing I would recommend is that you join the Society of Children's Books, Writers, and Illustrators. It's the acronym is SCBWI, the Society of Children's Book, Writers, and Illustrators, because in that group, they have all kinds of online teachings, teaching you how to write children's books, 
They have um, community or groups in every city, most cities and areas where you can join and meet other writers and get in critique groups where they can critique your work and help you along your way. And that group has been invaluable for me in uh, meeting other writers and getting critique groups, help, and learning how to become a better children's author through all of their uh, courses and things they offer. And they have conferences. So that would be the first step, I'd say, if you are starting out. And just writing every day, reading children's books in the genre you want to write in is very important. When I wanted to write picture books, I went to the library and got like 40 or 50 books and read them. I'm always reading different books to get ideas and learn how they're structured. Right. Um, have you ever written any any books that have been banned in any places? Because I know that's a thing. Right. That, that's, that's a happening. big thing going on. None of my books have been banned. Now, I'm I'm scared by one on Emancipation Park. I wonder when it comes out if it will be banned because it's talking about um, formerly enslaved people and history. I don't know. And but none of mine have been on any banned list. A lot of my favorite children's books have been and nothing. Really, they were just affirming books talking about different minority characters. I was disappointed to see that. Yeah. Well, sometimes maybe the fact that it's banned makes it even more uh, requested. Is that true? It can be for some authors. For example, I was uh, an MC for an event for an author named Jerry Craft. He Mm -hmm. wrote a Newbery honor-winning graphic novel called New Kid, and it's about a black boy in a private school. And his books were banned, and then they were banned here in Texas, too, which is where I live in the community. So he came back to that community at a bookstore, and a lot of the parents, there was a huge groundswell, and all these people came, and his books have been New York Times bestsellers since they were banned. So that helped him. But he also has put online, he's lost school visits and things, you know, and that's money for him as, as an author. So it's, he's been disappointed with that. But his books have made it to the New York Times bestseller list, probably because of all the the brouhaha, you know, about mm-hmm. the banning. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a story about bullying that you can share with us where mindfulness maybe would have made a difference? Yes. Um, the second book in my series, Sophie Washington, The Snitch, has the children being bullied by a new girl at school who's taking their lunch money and shoving them around. And I think mindfulness may have been helpful for the bully herself had she uh, kind of recognized her history. It comes out later in the book that she, her parents have abandoned her and she has some other personal issues and maybe if she had been able to do some mindfulness work maybe that would help with her anger and bad feelings that led her to be unkind to the other kids and then even with some of the other children in the book they kind of stand by while others are being bullied and kind of are complicit in participating so maybe if they had mindfulness work maybe they would be able to to stand strong and speak out against what was going on. Sure, yeah. Uh, as we move forward in the interview, Tanya, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person that has been a powerful mindfulness person in your life? 
That's a very good question. I don't know. I guess uh, my mom, she's, I talk to her every day and she encourages me and kind of gets me focusing on positivity. So I think she would be a person in that category. Awesome. How has mindfulness helped you to deal with your emotions? It's been very beneficial to me. As I said, I do journaling every day. So just being mindful and intentional in in what I'm doing helps me stay focused on when, because a lot of times, as I shared with you, there's a lot of rejection in my business. So it, yeah. it just keeps me focused on my goals and moving in a positive direction. Right, for sure. And uh, I wanted to ask you about breathing, which is something that we often talk about in relation to mindfulness. Do you have any thoughts about breathing? That's a good question. I don't do a lot of that, but I have um, taken Pilates and some Mm -hmm. yoga classes at times. And I find that um, they do a lot of breathing in the exercise. And it's kind of like a release and just helps relieve um, a lot of your stress and anxiety. So I think that helps. And even when I do walking and movement and things like that, I think it helps me overcome anxious feelings and, you know, be more positive. Right, yeah. Are there any um, apps that you use that can help with mindfulness? I don't really use any apps. I saw you sent me a question about that. I don't yeah. use apps. Um, I know there are some out there, but I don't. I really, because of my, I use a lot of screen time with my work. I try mm-hmm. to limit my screen time. Okay. So I don't use any apps for mindfulness. Right, sure. And uh, are there any other books besides your own books that you would recommend to people, and especially in the space of mindfulness? Um, one book that I really enjoyed was called The Four Agreements, and it talks about, um, it has four different things that you need to focus on for positive mindsets. So I find that to be very helpful. It's by Don Miguel Ruiz, I think, I don't know if I'm yeah. pronouncing properly and another one is a mindset by carol dweck that i talked about earlier talking about growth and fixed mindset that was uh, very eye-opening for me when i read it because it's talking about just trying new things and not letting a fixed mindset or limiting beliefs hold you back from um, living a fulfilling life Yeah. Well, I really appreciate all that you've shared on this interview, and I really appreciate what you're doing for the world and, you know, putting all these books out there and being so dedicated to that. Do you have any final words of advice, Tanya, for our Mindful Tribe listeners? Uh, Just to um, be focused on your goals and be intentional on your actions. I find that's helped me in achieving all my goals as an author, when I set intentions for what I want to achieve in my life, it's helped me be able to manifest these things. So that's what I would recommend people do. Okay. Well, thanks again for being on the show and all the best to you, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. Absolutely. Bye now. All right. Bye-bye. 
Hey, Mindful Tribe, I want to thank my sponsor, Athletic Greens. They have a product called AG1 that I started taking some time ago because I wanted to improve my gut health. I wanted to optimize my immune system. I wanted to just improve my health in general, and this has really done it. AG1 contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, and probiotics. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, or whatever your diet is, this will work for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial ingredients, and it supports better sleep and better alertness. Athletic Greens uses the best products based on the latest science, and it costs less than $3 a day. Like I said, the product is called AG1, the company is called Athletic Greens, and they have over 7,000 five-star reviews online. So. Here's a special offer for you, Mindful Tribe. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com mindfulness. So once again, that's athleticgreens.com mindfulness to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.